Hey listeners, are you enjoying our podcasts and coaching advice? Do you feel like some guidance and accountability could help you stay motivated and focused during these uncertain pandemic times? We love connecting with our listeners and collaborating to make training work for your goals, your life, your personality. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we want to offer any new clients $20 off the first month of coaching, which is normally $150. Email us at Julie and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com to set up a time to connect over the phone to learn more. And be sure to mention this special offer as one of our loyal listeners. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How's it going? Good. Welcome back. Thank you. You too. How was your week? It was great. It was such a good, so just as a, you know, fill everyone in, we, we both took a look, got a little getaway, local getaway to our beaches this past week. So um, we were actually both near each other, although we didn't see each other, but we were both near each other. And it was such a great change of scenery, you know, even though um, it wasn't like a normal, totally normal getaway, like we've done in the past, it was just a nice chance for a change of scenery. And I love running at the beach. I mean, it's flat, so, but I also just love running there and cycling there. So it was just nice to have that change as well. What about you? Um, Similarly, it was really nice. It was great. Any change of scenery has really helped my family and me kind of get through this summer. I mean, certainly it's not a hardship and I feel very fortunate that we are healthy and that we have a place that is comfortable to quarantine. And certainly I'm not minimizing that um, at all, but look, it's, it's tough to look at the same, same four walls. So it's nice to be able to have a change of scenery. It re-energizes everyone, gets everyone outside. And um, yeah. So you know, I was going to tell you just as a, like, as a total side thing that just reminded me of when I thought about our trip home, um, you know, you had recommended to me that Michelle Obama podcast, uh, and you had sent me a link and, and we listened to it on, on the way home. I, I listened with my kids and I have to tell you what a great, great podcast. She's just started the podcast and, um, the episode that I, uh, listened to was with her friend, um, Michelle, um, and uh, with Norris. Michelle Norris, yeah, Michelle Norris, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, talking about um, the just kind of the effects on all of us of, of the recent what's going on, not just the pandemic, but the protests. And I got to tell you, that was such a great a great discussion, and made me feel like you know we're all going through the same thing, Michelle Obama, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like she's so relatable, and so much of what she had to say was was really um, just put into words what I've been feeling. So just a a shout out to that great podcast and and to you for recommending that. It was a great podcast for our ride home. Yeah, my pleasure. I found it to be um, a great listen as well. I really liked what they said um, in the middle of the podcast. I think her friend Michelle said it. It's her quote where she said, our objective is not to return to normal. Our objective is to return to what's better, better. than normal. That's, I love, I love that. When she said that, I was like, yes. And, and also, and you know, um, it was just a very small part of it. Michelle Obama talked to me. We know that she's, you know, very into fitness and running and um, she stays very fit and stays on top of a pretty uh, 
regimented exercise and fitness routine. And she had talked a little bit about how there was a period of time during this pandemic where she just like couldn't get herself up and moving. And she gave herself permission to, you know, it's okay to not get up and get on the treadmill that morning. It's okay. And just recognizing the effects that this has had on all of us. And she even mentioned at some point, I think she said something about kind of feeling like a, a low grade depression of, of sorts. And I think that a lot of us are feeling that. And for us as runners, we've even seen this with a lot of our runners of, of for some that, that the effect is like running feels like a chore or it's not, you know, it just, you're just not feeling it that particular day or that particular week. And I thought that was just, you know, just an interesting reflection to, to hear her acknowledge that sometimes this stress that's getting to us makes it hard to get up and get out. And, and it's okay on those days to say like, I need a couple of days off because there's a lot of stress on our minds and our bodies right now. And so that was just, it was very relatable. Absolutely. And, and I appreciate when people who um, are high functioning people admit that they have low moments, low days, low years, it really normalizes something that should be normalized and that is depression and recognizing that we all can't be on our game 100%. And like we've said on this podcast on a few episodes since this, um, excuse my French, shit show began, um, it's okay not to be okay. And we are several months into this and it's okay to not be adjusted. You, you, you shouldn't be feeling like you have to thrive in this. While some people are, and that's amazing. If you're not, that's okay. And um, or if there's like a week when you're not, it's okay. It's not going to be one way. It doesn't have to always be one way or the other. There's maybe days or weeks that are harder and days or weeks that you feel better and you feel on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we wanted to do a podcast episode with just the two of us this week because we are very close to the week of the virtual Boston Marathon. And we have a lot of runners who are running virtual marathons this fall, and we wanted to provide an episode that was just designed to give some race prep for anyone out there who's running uh, a virtual marathon this fall. So while we are making this somewhat specific to Boston, because that is on the calendar for so many of our runners, and Lisa, that's the virtual marathon you're going to be doing, and it's coming up quickly, what we're going to talk about today is, of course, applicable to any virtual marathon because it's virtual, so it's going to be run from anywhere. So we will avoid talking about the specifics of the course because we recognize that your virtual marathon will be run where you choose to run it. Uh, that being said, there is some un universal advice that we feel specific to virtual marathon running that would be wise to adhere to, especially especially because the Boston virtual marathon will be run in summer, in summer weather. It's, it's early in September. So to that end, most of us do not choose fall marathons that are run in high heat and humidity. And it's, it's possible that the weather that weekend will be run in high heat and humidity. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, designing a course for yourself um, that is favorable for running a virtual marathon. And we're going to give some race prep tips um, leading up to your virtual marathon so you can run it successfully. And for those who aren't running a virtual marathon, the tips we're about to provide are applicable for any virtual race, um, particularly the half marathon distance and 
under that and over that because that's what we're all going to be running for the foreseeable future um, when choosing to raise. So Lisa, why don't you get started and talk about um, some things we should be thinking about now that we're about a month out from the virtual Boston. Yeah, I think the, the really the first kind of critical thing that we all need to think about uh, is what is your goal for this? So we all have, this is very unique to have a virtual race and for better or for worse, um, times don't count. They're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be, um, uh, you know, counted towards Boston qualifying times or, or you're, they, they may be posted, but they're, they're not going to unfortunately count to qualify for Boston. So some of the time pressure is off. So that doesn't mean that you can't run this for and race it and run it for time. And we have some runners who've said like, no, I really want to hit my goal time in this. Uh, but you really have to first kind of reflect on what are your goals. So me personally, my goal is just finishing this. I know my training's been, uh, it's definitely not been a typical marathon training cycle. I've mixed in a lot of cycling to this, uh, to my training, a lot of cross training. My running has not, I've not run anything more. I'm, you know, I will say, do as I say, not as I do, but I haven't run anything more than really 13 miles has been kind of my longest run combined with some cycling. So I know that running a marathon is not, you know, I'm not going to be running this for time. I'm going to be running it to finish healthy and, and just to finish it and keep my Boston streak alive. So that, that's my goal. So as somebody with a goal of just finishing it, some of the choices and some of the things we're going to talk about aren't as critical. Um, but, but that's what I would start with is, you know, what is your goal? Is your goal to, to, to really hit a fast time and maybe hit a PR? Is it your goal to just finish? Is your goal to, um, you know, to have a fun course, something that, you know, something that you look forward to? Um, so just, you know, think, sit back and think of, you know, what is your, what is your goal? Um, and then, like you mentioned, the, the heat and humidity uh, are, are going to play into that. So maybe your goal time your, your goal time uh, may be adjusted because of the fact that it will likely be hotter and more humid. Now, that being said, people do have the option of deciding which day to do your virtual race. So even for Boston and for most other races, you'll have an option, you know, maybe a spread of a week, two weeks, whatever it might be. So it's going to be smart as we get a little bit closer to be flexible with your dates and look at what does the weather look like? I was thinking today, you know, in our area in the mid Atlantic and especially, you know, South uh, it's hurricane season. <laughs> so we may get some days where we've got some storms coming through and you may need to be flexible. And the other part of that is if you have the flexibility in your own personal schedule and uh, we'll talk about course design in a little bit, but in, in the schedule of people who might be supporting you on your course, maybe doing it on a weekday, not necessarily having to do it on a weekend or on the particular day of the race, but maybe doing it on a weekday when there are less crowds out, uh, when the weather is more favorable, when you can get an earlier start, maybe whatever those factors are going into. But we have some ability where normally we are, you know, checking the weather forecasts for, uh, you know, for for weather issues for a, race, a particular race day and a particular race time and a particular race location, we have the ability now to be, have some flexibility on that. So maybe you Look can talk that a little bit about COVID uh, silver lining there. We, we get to exactly. pick our weather. See, there's, it makes there's it a, a little, it does make it a little harder too, though, for in terms of 
I don't know, in my mind, in terms of motivation, where I'm like, well, if I don't do it that day, then I can do it the next day. You know, it, you know what's going to get us up and moving on that particular day? Well, I mean, for me, it would be looking at the conditions and saying, all right, well, this is going to be the day when I can get out at the right time and the weather looks good and my, you know, friends who might be supporting me are available, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it, it does make it a little more complicated that we don't just have a particular date and time and location for a race where it gives you that flexibility. So plus and minus that you get the flexibility, but then you also have to make those determinations. But Okay, so really tip one and what we should be thinking about now is consider having a couple of dates in mind for running your virtual fall marathon rather than designating one date. And um, in doing so, when designing a course, consider a course that would not be dependent on a particular date. For example, in our area, we have some roads that close on the weekends um, that allow runners to run um, certain routes that maybe during the weekend weekdays are not closed. Um, we know that's the case in many areas around the country. So perhaps pick a route that is not necessarily dependent on running a certain day, uh, particularly if you want some flexibility as Lisa just discussed with the weather. So um, to that end, before we start talking specifically about what how to pick the best route to run your virtual race. What should we be doing right now is, is something that we get asked a lot. And given that we're a month out, one of the things that we really, really believe in, particularly for this time in this race, is it is so much better to be undertrained than overtrained. Don't worry. You, if you are a seasoned marathoner, you will finish your virtual run. We know you will. You have the muscle memory, um, you have the the running mileage under your legs, even if it wasn't specific to this training cycle, you will get through your virtual race. So if you are like Lisa and your goal is to just keep your streak alive and finish, do not stress if you haven't done the typical amount of long runs that you normally do or if you haven't done the mileage that you normally run because honestly what's the long-term goal the long-term goal is to keep running and, and stay healthy so getting to your virtual start line without as much mileage under your belt is actually an advantage in this situation and that plays into your strategy which we'll get to in a few minutes on how to yeah, execute but also the race. Say just along those lines exactly what you're saying don't try to catch up if somebody feels like they're behind and maybe you took some time off for injury or for, for whatever reason, or you just haven't been motivated to get in that mileage, don't try to jam it all in between now and your virtual race day. That's just going to put you at a greater risk for injury. And if you have been injured and you're nervous about getting to that start line and, and finishing up your training, then you also really, you know, just, I would say, look at your goals and, and, um, manifest that in your goals. So if you've been injured or your mileage has been lower, then, you know, reevaluate your goals. Maybe you're not going to be hitting a super fast time or, um, you know, whatever that faster, more aggressive goal may be. Just adjust your goals. It does not mean you can't run it, that you're not going to be, like you said, if you are a seasoned marathoner and you've got the mileage, a decent amount of mileage under your belt, whether you got in that last 20 miler or 22 miles or 18 miles or whatever it may be, isn't going to make a difference. So don't try to jam in more training between now and race day. For sure. And it's also okay to, to take walk breaks. I mean, look, you're not going to have as many water stops as you normally have in a normal race setting. And a lot of people um, run through water stops, but many people 
walk through water stops to be able to take some sips. So if you have a race plan where you're taking some walk breaks, um, that's great. But if you find yourself that you're a little bit under trained, make some plan, make a plan to take some walk breaks. Maybe for you, it'll be every 5k, just as you would do for a water stop, take a one minute walk break, whatever it is that you can do to sort of break it up a little bit for yourself and, and sort of modify your race execution um, to adhere to the level of training that you were able to do um, to get to the start line. I'm going to just put this out there. If you're someone where your longest run, like Lisa, has been 13, 14, 15, 16 miles, and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this, you absolutely can. If you've run a marathon before, which anyone who's doing the virtual Boston has, um, then just have confidence in yourself and know that if you run your LSD pace, you're running your conversational pace, you absolutely will finish. And finishing does include taking walk breaks. That doesn't mean you didn't finish. It's okay to take walk breaks. Um, don't beat yourself up if you haven't been able to get the mileage in and don't count yourself out just because you haven't trained in the same way. We're not saying go out there and, and run on no training, but you know what, you're basically doing a longer, long run to do your virtual Boston if your goal is to finish. And you can do a longer, long run and finish and stay healthy. And just don't try to do anything silly like race it when you don't have a lot of volume um, under your belt um, when getting to the start line. So one of the key components of of executing a proper race plan, of course, is nutrition. Even if you're not traditionally racing this race, you still need to have a decent nutrition plan. Uh, if you haven't thought about your nutrition that much, now is a critical time to do so. So Lisa, what is your nutrition plan going to be for your virtual Boston this year, given that your goal is to finish? <laughs> Buster's good. Buster has something to say about that. Um, uh, well, first, I want to back up a little bit just in talk about something related to nutrition and nutrition plans is something that we can all be doing right now and should be doing is, is starting to practice that um, if you haven't been doing it already, but especially because this is a little bit different, we're not going to have the typical um, aid stations along the course um, starting to practice now and the logistics of um, how are you going to carry your fuel? Where are you going to, um, you know, are, are, where are you going to refuel? Where are you going to take your water break? So that, that is, is really important. And, and to the point of nutrition, um, my plan is going to be my normal nutrition plan for, for, for racing. Even though I won't be running my race pace, I feel like um, it works well for me. And this is something we recommend all of our runners do is really every 30 to 40 minutes, about 30 to 40 grams of carbs. And this is something you need to practice. Again, going back to practicing and doing kind of dry runs of this to make sure it works for you, but every 30 to 40 minutes, and I like honey stinger chews, those have always worked for me, um, gives me something to look forward to. I, the nutrition for me also gives me a way to break up the run into smaller segments. So, you know, into like half hour segments, I look forward to my next snack. Uh, so so that, that, that will be my plan. And that's, you know, always worked for me. It's worked in training, it's worked in racing, and I don't see any reason to, to switch that up. And the downside of not, not following your nutrition plan well enough or having it dialed in for race day is that you, you can very most definitely still bonk in the last six miles of your run. And that's something I, I definitely do not want. Once you get behind in nutrition and you're depleted, it's very hard to catch back up and get back onto a, a good rhythm. Even if you're not aiming for a particular pace, just to feel good. My, my goal is to feel good and finish 
feeling strong uh, at whatever pace it is. So that to me, nutrition is really critical in that. So that's, that's my plan. And most likely, depending on what I decide to do, and we can talk about this soon on, in terms of, of a route, I'll, I will either carry it with me or have somebody along the course or stash it somewhere or do loops by my house where I can pick it up. But usually, you know, I carry it in a race. And so there's no, I don't think there's any, and I've been practicing on my long runs, like, even though they're not super long, but I've been practicing a scaled down version of it on my, on my longer runs now, same thing, carrying, being able to get it out. And that's you know, something not to overlook. And we were talking to one of our runners who's doing the virtual, who was doing a virtual Boston um, as well about this is just how do you get the chews out and how do you, you know, making sure that works for you. So maybe carrying the actual package of whatever you're carrying is hard to open when you're running. So if it's something you can put in a plastic baggie beforehand and just, again, this is what goes back to practicing, doing a dry run for those who are listening, who are training for a virtual Boston and may have one or two long runs left, take advantage of those the night before, have the dinner that you plan to have the night before you do your virtual race. Uh, the morning of, eat the same foods, kind of go through the same routine, even down to you know, TMI, but like your bathroom routine, like make sure you have that down so that when you go to do your virtual race, it's just, it's just routine. Your body knows what you're doing. Your mind knows what you're doing. You're confident about it. And this is that time about a month out to really dial all of that in. And, and I know for, at least for me, like the course and what I'm going to run and the logistics are sort of just like, oh, well, that's an, a month away. Like, I don't have to worry about it yet. But I, I really do because I want to have that down and be able to practice it. So that's something else. Um, one other tip that I would give that at this point, if you're going to need new shoes before race day, we always tell our runners this normally when they're run, getting ready for a big race is if you're going to need new shoes, if those shoes are starting to wear down, get them now so you can get some runs in with them before, before your actual race day. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to go back to nutrition because both of us really like honey stinger chews during our races. And sometimes people get overwhelmed by chews because they're not quite sure exactly how many to take. Because when you have um, like a, ha a hammer gel or goo, it's, it's perfectly packaged and you just take a serving every 30 to 40 minutes. But with chews, they're individual. So I will tell you what I did a few years ago was I actually wrote out for myself exactly how many honey stinger chews to pack in Ziplocs before race day because I just sometimes would get overwhelmed with counting the carbs and figuring it all out. So basically you want 50 grams of carbs per hour when you're racing. One honey stinger chew has four grams of carbs. So take four honey stinger chews every 15 minutes, which equals about 250 calories per hour, 39 grams of carb in one pack. So basically you got to pack if you're carrying your nutrition and you're using honey stingers, about 60 honey stingers, which is a, a lot. lot. It's a but lot. But really pack like four Ziploc bags, um, divide that in four, pack four Ziploc bags, and then just carry those with you in different parts. So like put one little bag in one pocket, one in a belt, um, carry the first bag that you're going to go through in your hand and then maybe put the other one like I stash one in, in like this pocket in my bra for example we all have different like pockets depending on what we're wearing so um that makes it easy I too. like I, I know just like every half hour I just pull out a new baggie and it's pre-packed. Yeah. you don't have to count how many are in it it's pre-packed I know how many and I don't try to like take them all at, at the same time like I'm not pulling out and shoving 10 
chews in my mouth. But that's what I like about the chews is that I can hold that baggie in my hand for 10 or 15 minutes and pop one, chew it, you know, take some water, wash it down, take another, like one at a time. And that actually, for me, for the past several years has worked really well in terms of keeping my energy steady. So it's not like I'm yeah. kind of dipping and then getting a boost and then dipping and getting a boost. It's just like, I always feel steady. So like you said, it, you do want to minimize how much you're going to have to think because by mile 18, 20 brains not working so great anymore. So the more you can minimize either writing down how much you need to take or on your arm and Sharpie, and we can talk about this too, but you know, your paces or your, your, um, you know, benchmarks of where you should be at certain points in the course um, and marking on there, that's a nutrition point too will keep you from having to like, you know, losing your mind and, and, and losing focus later in the race where you think like, oh, wait, is it time to take them again? If you know when it is that you need to take them. And again, for me, it's easy because it's every 30 minutes. I just know 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, and just pull out one of those baggies that's prepackaged. Um, now, if you're doing gels, it's super, that's easy. You just pull out your gel pack and, you know, get, get that gel down. If you're doing something else, find a way of, of doling out and, you know, packaging it in a way that doesn't take a lot of thought. And if you drop it or something falls, you're not totally in trouble. Yeah. So we do it a tiny bit differently, I guess, because you're saying 30 minutes for me with choose, I kind of start in, I do it in 15 minute increments because I don't want it ends up, I think being, I mean, cause I take out that package at 30 minutes yeah. and I'm kind of snacking on it. And by the time I'm done with it, it's probably, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later. And then I'm taking out another one at the next 30 minute mark. So it's, I think it ends up being, it really About ends up same. being just kind of constant snacking through the whole run. Cause I usually have a baggie in my hand that has shoes in it and I'm pulling them out one at a time. Yeah. So I feel like a little hack, it's actually a good reminder to start eating early because if you split them up in baggies, like we just talked about, if you're doing shoes and you're holding your first bag, you're going to, you're going to want to get rid of that. So that's going to remind you to start eating pretty early on in the race. And we've talked about this in prior podcasts. You really, even if you're not feeling like you need to eat as much because you're not maybe racing the same way you would normally race, you're still exerting a lot of energy out there, particularly if it's hot and your digestive system is not going to be working as effectively at the end of your run as it is at the beginning of your run, not only because you're running longer, but also because your body is working hard to stay cool. So to that end, you really want to be mindful of taking in that nutrition early on um, and, and not minimizing it just because you may not be executing the same type of run that you would in a real live race. Right. And just so, also, just um, anything else more, you want to say about nutrition during the race? One more, one more thing that just, you know, you reminded me when we talked about it being hot and also having to stay on top of that is um, electrolytes. So taking, I use salt stick tabs and I also incorporate those into my routine. It's one per hour. So I will take one before I start and then one per hour. So I know that, you know, I have all my little thoughts in my head of, or, you know, or marks on my arm of like when I need to take them, but uh, don't neglect that. If you're somebody who drinks noon, then you can incorporate that instead. But however you're getting your electrolytes and especially because this will probably be, you'll be running under warmer, more humid conditions. Um, and it can't hurt even if it's cool to, to incorporate that. So not forgetting to incorporate that. And if you're somebody who hasn't used those products before, again, now is the time to start practicing those. And my routine with that is one the night before a long run, one the morning of on each hour of the run. And I even take one after. And if you're getting a headache or you're feeling 
really sore, fatigued after your long runs, you probably need that. Yeah. So I, the irony is not lost in this, guys, that we're talking about taking in all this sugar. And we just had a podcast two weeks ago with Dr. Mark Kukazella, where he talked about not using sugar as fuel. And again, um, every, everyone has different philosophies. Um, this is what has worked consistently for us as runners and marathoners over the past 20 plus years. What's worked for most, if not all of our runners who've been very successful. So uh, we are certainly not minimizing uh, Dr. Kukazella's advice, and certainly it's something to consider, particularly if you're someone that um, is very sensitive to sugar. But for purposes of what to take as fuel during uh, a race or a virtual run, uh, we, we still believe that carbs are the way the way to go. Um, and back to, to that like end, practicing, like if you're somebody who is like him, who has known for many years that you know, you know, you know how you need to fuel, then, then that's something that you've learned. But yes, in general, um, if that's not something new to try right now. Right, right. And uh, with respect to what to eat before the virtual run, like Lisa said, it's really important to practice. So uh, even if you already have like a standard breakfast that you've done in the past for races, but maybe you haven't had that breakfast once during your training cycle because things have been weird during these times, it's a good idea at least once before your long run to just have that breakfast, uh, making sure it's still working for you, particularly in these hotter temperatures. Sometimes we digest differently and hotter temperatures, Boston is typically not in hot weather. So um, if you're someone that always, always has oatmeal before a run with um, maybe some protein paired with it, um, and you haven't had oatmeal before your run since uh, you've been training for the Virtual Boston, now would be a good time to reintroduce that into your diet to make sure that's still something you want before your run. Or if you can't stand the thought of oatmeal in hotter weather and that really grosses you out, then pick something else to have for breakfast. Um, some Maybe. suggestions that, you know, substitute for oatmeal if that's just not your thing in hotter weather, of course. Um, a bagel with a smear of peanut butter is a, is a great pre-run, pre-race um, meal paired with um, maybe some, a banana, if that's something you like. Uh, I Dry really cereal. like dates. Dry yeah, cereal. cereal. Yep. Things with high carbs. I, I personally love um, my thing. I just love dates. I, they're, they're packed with carbs. They're a great pre-run um, snack. I pair it with peanut butter. It's really, it's, it just works for me personally. That's something that I do um, more in the winter months. I'm more of an oatmeal person, but um, I, I just don't like oatmeal right now, but there also are a lot of cold options. Like uh, I know that you can make a lot of um, overnight oats that are cold. So that's something you can try that would be, of course, the same type of carbohydrate fuel um, with some protein in it. You can use um, some sort of almond milk or nut butter and mix it in. There's plenty of great recipes. Um, Shalane Flanagan's cookbook has a lot of really good pre-run oatmeal type recipes that you can use cold. Um, I love her superhero muffins, by the way. That's also um, a great fuel, but um, make sure you try it and make sure it works for you. 
and not only try the food, but try the timing. So that's another issue. And we can kind of use this to transition into choosing a course and, and making your logistical plan. But in Boston, we typically start later in the morning. So we have a lot of time in the morning and that actually leads to, you know, having to maybe sometimes have two breakfasts, but now we'll have the flexibility to choose our start time. Um, and because of that, you're going to want to practice the timing of your fuel. So, uh, you know, giving yourself a little bit of extra time to digest to go to the bathroom, whatever it is, it, it may not typically be your, your, it's, it's not going to be your typical, unless you're starting later in the morning, it may not be your typical um, boss. If you've run Boston before and you have your typical, I know for me, I have my typical Boston routine, which is not going to be what I'm going to follow. Cause my plan is likely not going to be to start, you know, late that late in the morning when it's going to be warmer out. So that's another um, thing to think about and, and to maybe practice and, um, and figure out how, what time you're going to get up, what time you're going to start and, and what is your course going to be? So maybe we can transition in, into talking about that. There are a lot of options. And for me, it's almost a little overwhelming where I haven't settled on a course yet because there's all, there are a lot of options. My first thought and option would be, I have my standard loop that I run here and I can make that into, you know, a, a few loops. And I have friends and people that live along the way that are happy to put out water, you know, help me out with, with fueling. So I could certainly do that or use my house, which, you know, I can loop back by. And that to me is familiar. And the thought of maybe making it into, you know, several loops in my head helps me break it down. So that is kind of the benefit of, of doing that. Um, and, and again, the familiarity with the route and the ability to refuel and water along the way. But then when we were at the beach this weekend, I thought, I want to come here and run. This is my favorite. That's like my happy place to run. So I got this thought in my head of maybe I'll go get a place at the beach for a night and I'll go and I'll run there. Now that's going to depend though. I think I'm not going to be able to make that call until much closer because of the weather. And if it's, you know, stormy or if we do have chance of hurricanes or, or anything like that, the beach can also be very windy. So depending on the weather and the conditions and what day I'm going to go, that, that, that to me would be a, a, a fun, like give me something to look forward to and make it really nice. Now I wouldn't have the support that I would have here. So I would have to figure out how do I loop back to wherever I'm staying and pick something up or you know, how, do, how do I logistically figure that out? So I'm kind of wavering back and forth between familiarity, but also like it's familiar and it's just like any other run and maybe kind of you know, anticlimactic. And, and also I know how much I have ahead of me to know, you know, if I'm doing my loops, like I know how many more I have to do um, versus kind of running in a happy place that is, is, would be like my ideal route to run, but not having that support. So I'm still going back and forth. And I think not having a set date and time and, and any, you know, and a set, a set running course is, is sort of throwing me for, for a loop. So. Yeah. You know, I love, I love your idea of going somewhere and making it sort of an event. I think that's really like makes it so special. But on the other hand, I don't love the idea of you out there running a marathon without support in a place that if, you know, God forbid something happen, like, you know, I'd, I'd want you to have someone physically there. So I'll, I'll be that person for you. <laughs> You're very sweet. I mean, I was thinking of bringing my kids and then, you know, if I need anything, they can ride their bike to me and, and save me. But I mean, yeah, really, I, the do. Beach, I have to say my beach route is very similar to my home route in that it's a small <laughs> loop that I would probably do many times. So I would never be that far from where I started. I'm just I'm okay. a loop person. I, everyone, like my son makes fun of me with even the cycling. Like I like loops. I don't know. I just feel like I like to be 
you know, within a distance of like being able to get back if I need to and, and, and whatever I am doing. So, um, yeah, so I just, I haven't made up my mind. I know we have a lot of runners who we're talking to our runners that we coach that we're starting to talk to about really kind of dialing in those, those plans so that they have them set and it's not something that's an unknown and they can figure out the logistics and just a lot of questions of, do you do loops? So you can have that access to aid. Do you do a point to point where somebody takes you out to it or you start somewhere and you're going to finish somewhere and then you have, you have to make arrangements to get back. Are you going to do an out and back? Um, and, and then getting that support of, of how, you know, you really do have to, in most cases, unless you're going to set out your own nutrition or you're going to loop back by the same location, you do need some support on the course. And I know there are a lot of people who you know, are, are very happy and willing to help those that are out running. So it's just finding people in your network that are, that are able to do that. And that's something you really do need to do now and make sure they get it on their calendar and they know, you know, your possible dates. And it's okay, I think, to have a couple possible dates. Do not set, uh, most of the virtual races don't have one particular date where you have to run it. So setting a couple options and as it gets closer, it's okay to look at the weather and figure out what, what makes most sense for you. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of loops, not only for safety reasons, but also it, it gives you the opportunity to reset. I, I, I mean, I know you and I are both the same in that we don't mind running loops. And of course, last year I, I ran a fall looped marathon. It was eight loops and it didn't bother me one bit. For some people that would make them absolutely insane. So I understand that there are varying opinions with loops, but if you are someone who doesn't mind a loop, there are many advantages to it with a virtual course. Number one being you don't have to set up as many water stops or support. You can really set up one or two, have a couple people volunteer to help you out or if you don't even want to involve people you can hide a couple of water bottles in bushes in very familiar places that you can grab on your familiar loop because chances are if you're selecting a loop you've run it before the other advantage of loops is if you live in a more urban area like we do it, it helps you kind of figure out how to avoid a lot of stoplights and traffic and um you know so that you can kind of have continuity and that brings the question too is do people, there's a debate, do you stop your watch when you're at a stoplight when you're running a virtual race or do you, do you keep it going? I, I mean, I think you, you just keep it on because. Well, we haven't seen either. Boston hasn't sent out the information about submitting your times. My guess is going to be that whatever time you submit, it's going to Garmin or any, usually any device that you're using will have both moving time and um, total time. time. Mm -hmm. So I think that they'll probably say, we're just going to take your total time, whatever that yeah. is won't matter if you start or stop it in terms of what time is going to be submitted or what time they're going to take is your time. It may help you mentally to look at your watch and see that you're still on pace for whatever your goal was, even though you took a couple brief breaks. But that, that's my guess is that Boston's going to say, we're just going to take elapsed time versus moving time. And, and that's it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like if I have to set up my own water stops or if it's at back in my house, like I'm going to have to stop for a second to, you know, stop and get some water and, um, and, and, you know, the other thing is that you can carry your water with you. And a lot of people don't, I don't do that during races, but I also know there's a water stop every mile or two miles. Now, uh, depending on the length of my loops here and how much distance there is between where I can refill, I may carry water where then all I have to do with the, where my next stop is refill my water. So I may have to stop momentarily, you know, whether or not I'll stop my watch. I don't know. I don't, I don't really 
like I said, I'm not concerned with my time this time, so I'm not going to to worry about it too much. But um, but yeah, that's a good that's a, a good point to raise, and we'll have just have to see what Boston says or whatever you know whatever any race anyone is running, um, what what they're accepting, and and I would think that most races are just accepting your total time. Because otherwise, then you could probably just run, you know, a hard few miles, stop for a few, you know, stop for a half hour, run a few hard miles, stop for a half hour, and, and submit your your cumulative time. But uh, that that would be my guess is they're going to take the total the total time. Yeah. So loop course, we're definitely proponents, but we're also proponents of courses like in our area. There's a virtual half marathon the same weekend, the Parks Half Marathon and um, how nice to support that race while also running the virtual Boston at the same time where you can register for the Parks Half Marathon, for example, run the 13.1 and incorporate that into your virtual Boston Marathon. And it, it doesn't really make a difference in terms of what course you pick, but it's just something to consider that if there's a race in your area that you can support at the same time that also has parameters as to when you can run it and it works out that you can kill two birds with one stone and support your community and, and your running club and your community's races as well as the virtual marathon you're running, then that is a bonus. So, um, yeah, one more thing I would just point out about well. loops too for me, mentally loops. Uh, for some people may drive them crazy, but for others help break the race down into segments. So, you know, if you can break it, if it's going to be three loops or four loops or whatever, you can break it down into thirds or fourths. Um, and, and then you can focus on different things, each loop. Uh, you know, we have, what we haven't talked about and, you know, I'd be hesitant to recommend, but I, I think it's still an option for some people. If there are people who want to run with you, uh, having socially distant partners, you know, maybe somebody meets one person meets you for a few miles, another person meets you for another mile, just making sure you're being very cognizant of the fact that we are still in the middle of a pandemic and we don't want to see huge groups running very close to each other out and about. Um, but I, I, I personally think it would be okay to have one other person out there running with you at a good distance from you, just kind of keeping you company on, on the run and, and having that to look forward to that maybe, you know, in four miles, so-and-so is going to hop on and run a few miles with me. So that's, um, if people are thinking of that, I would just say to keep in mind, um, you know, just safety and and adhering to social distancing and, and also appearances for the community, just making sure we're not out in huge groups running, running these virtual marathons. But I think it's okay to have a couple people meet you out on the course. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. As long as it's logistically, you're able to do that and recognizing that, I mean, we've all been doing this for so long we all know what we need to do if we want to run with someone else socially distant, how that works, how that can impact the people around you. And if you can find a loop or route that allows you to do that, then go for it. Because yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it's hard for people to get out there and run 26.2 miles totally solo. I mean, that's, that's hard. So some of us like, you know, don't mind that time by ourselves and we can do it. But even I who love running by myself and really savor that time, that's a really long time to be out there by myself. So I, I get that. And I think that's okay to do that. Yeah, so let's, that's a good transition. Let's talk a little bit about the mental aspect of this. I mean, my gosh, that if you're committing to running a virtual marathon and, you know, you, you know already a marathon is hard, but running a marathon virtually where you don't have the crowds and you don't have the same vibe that you would have in a the adrenaline. Race, the, we always talk about tough. race day magic. We don't have that. No. So you really have to dig deep and do what we've talked about with this whole training cycle. And that is find your why. Why are you doing this? So 
Uh, Lisa, you just told us your why. You want to keep your streak alive. It's something that's important to you. You want to be able to run Boston this year and 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 keep that going. And, and I think there are a lot of people that are that agree 100%. Hey, this may be our only virtual Boston opportunity ever. I want to be a part of this. And um, while I certainly don't want it to happen again, it's kind of cool. And I want to I want to say that I did this, and I want to keep my streak alive. That's a great why. That's a great one. But that may not be your why. Perhaps your why is, you know, I, I want to show my kids that I can do hard things. I want to prove to myself that um, I can do something for myself that's important to me. But, um, you know, I think that when you're at mile 18, 19, 20 of this virtual race, it is extra important that you remember why you're doing this. So as many of you know, I am not doing the virtual Austin, it's just, it doesn't appeal to me. Um, I very much admire those, including you, Lisa, who are. But if I were to choose my why to do it, my why would be to celebrate that I can, because in these times when there's so much going on and, and so, so many people's health has been compromised as a result of this virus and many other things, um, how wonderful that we have the ability to go out and do something so challenging with our bodies and celebrate our health. So that would be my why if I were to do it. Um, so for anyone out there that isn't quite sure what your why is, you can add my why to your list. <laughs> that, that's a good transition too into um, you know, some race prep tips that we wanted to give. And one of them would be the visualization and those that kind of insight right now that you're thinking about what is my why visualizing your run coming up with some mantras that are that are going to get you through uh, again maybe breaking down the run into some segments where you kind of think about different whys that you have different motivations that you have and and really preparing yourself just as much as we're preparing physically right now but preparing mentally for for that too so this is a really good time to really visualization is i think very um underrated and I know I don't do it much, but one of the times that I try to do it, like it really does help set you up. Again, I'll say, I've said this before, where your mind goes, your body follows. So start working on, as we're winding down, I know we've got another week maybe or so of some high mileage, but as we're winding down and you find yourself with some more time, or even as you're out on your longer runs right now or any of your runs, practice that mental, that mental part. So that's, I mean, one of the race tips that I would, would we give our runners in normal times but I would give it especially now because I think you're right. This is especially, the mental part is especially important this time because we don't have those other external motivators. We have to look internally. So that, that would be one of my race prep tips right now. What else do you think is a good tip for right now that people can start doing about four or five weeks? I out? think making a plan for your, what you're going to listen to while I'm, we are both um, very much about safety. We, we recognize that it's really, really hard to run a long run or a virtual run solo. Um, there will be several miles, I'm sure, where many people, even if you have people jumping in, will be solo. So make a plan for your listening list. Um, while we are, of course, big podcast proponents, podcasts probably aren't the most motivating um, motivating sources uh, of of, of listening when not going to get you when running a virtual race. So put together a playlist for yourself, and um, if you don't use them already, we cannot recommend enough. Um, 
bone conduction earphones. I use Aftershocks. Uh, they do not sponsor this podcast. Um, we've tried to reach out to them to see if they would. So if anyone knows Aftershocks out there, <laughs> tell them to give us a call. But they're wonderful because you really can hear ambient noise. And yeah, plan your listening list. And uh, normally we would say, don't listen to anything while running a marathon because you really want to draw energy from the crowds. So yeah, not the case here. Definitely want to make a plan for that. So that would be my tip. Um, I love your tip about visualization. I would say not only visualize um, your success, but also visualize what happens if scenarios. So make a plan and recognize that when you're starting to feel low, remember what we've talked about before is that negative thoughts are not fact, they're fleeting. And when you start to experience a negative thought, recognize it's happening and say to yourself, what can I do right now to get myself out of this situation? A lot of times it's about fueling. I find for myself, when I'm having a negative thought in a, in a, a marathon, it often correlates to my blood sugar and what's happening with my carbohydrates. I start taking my honey stingers and suddenly the negative thought goes away. So if that's what's happening, pay attention to your body, make sure that you know that you can always control the controllables and understand that if you're having a negative thought, yeah, that happens, but that doesn't mean that it's truth. Great, great tip. Um, and uh, another another tip that we like to start to, to give our runners now that's not always super popular, but most seem to be pretty compliant is cutting back on alcohol and increasing sleep. So that's something you can do pretty early out that will help improve your how you feel on race day. Uh, so, um, you know, again, thinking of thinking twice about that glass of wine that you're going to have, and it can't hurt to have one, you know, once in a while, but especially as we get closer and, and anyone who's tried to run the morning after having a few drinks will, will know the difference between running, you know, after a little bit of alcohol and running after no alcohol. There's definitely, and especially with running in the heat, you, you'll, you'll feel it. So that would be one thing. And then just the sleep is a really good time right now to start thinking. You will not be able to catch up on sleep in the like, week before the race. It's a good time now. Even just 30 minutes earlier, getting to bed 30 minutes earlier, sleeping in 30 minutes later. Those are two things I think right now that even though we're four to five weeks out from at least the virtual Boston, that those are, are you know, tangible things that people can start working on right now. Yeah, to that end, you mentioned alcohol. I think a lot of us, because it's summer and we're not necessarily on our normal eating schedules and we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants, especially parents out there trying to get everything in order. Sometimes it's, it's hard to be mindful of what we're doing to fuel our bodies properly. So um, if you're someone who tends to snack more and, and maybe eat a little bit differently while training because you're hungrier, and we talked about this, this is a whole separate podcast about nutrition and we'll, we won't go down the rabbit hole specifically about this today because we have in the past and we're going to do more episodes on nutrition, but just if you're someone that you feel like you've been having a lot of junk food lately and, and and that's okay. We're not judging. We're just putting it out there. This would be a great time to clean that up because what you put in your body, um, even kind of far away from the race actually makes a difference. So if you've been eating a lot of sugar, um, a lot, not, not natural, but like a lot of candy, junk food, um, things like that, 
try to limit that as you head into taper and into this virtual race. You're already going to be taxing your body a lot. And something that we all can control is what we put into our bodies. So kind of thinking about all of the ways that we can optimize fueling and what nutrients we can get through food, um, not through shakes and powders, but through actual food over the next few weeks will make you feel so much better on race day. And doing that now versus just the week before or just when you start tapering will really make a huge difference. So just start thinking about that. I mentioned earlier, I, I think Shalane's cookbook is excellent. She has two out and um, they're both great. They have great recipes. They're super healthy and tasty um, and not hard to make. So this would be a great time to experiment with some of those um, with your meals and just knowing that it really will make a difference, not only in how you feel on race day, but how you sleep, which Lisa just mentioned will also help optimize your performance on race day. Anything else, Lisa, before we no, sign I think, off today? You know, we'll, hit on, we'll hit on some things. We'll keep kind of hitting in our future podcast. I think we can spend a couple minutes, you know, talking about where we are as we get closer to these. And if anyone has any questions, as always, email us, Julie and Lisa at runfarthernfaster.com. Hit us up on social media, direct message us. Um, let us know, you know, what are your questions as, as we're getting closer? We'd love to talk about them. Absolutely. So before we go, there is one thing we just want to mention really quickly, and that is we want to thank everyone for leaving reviews. They, we are so, so grateful. Um, we've been giving out buffs to say thank you for your reviews. And we just read today, there was an article yesterday and today in the Washington Post about how buffs actually um, are not very effective. And not only are they not effective, um, sometimes they can be counterproductive because apparently they're, they're not keeping out the virus in the way we thought that they were. And we thought that wearing a buff would be better than nothing. And apparently wearing a sweaty buff is actually not a good thing at all. So we're really bummed about this. We're working on it. We're trying to figure out a solution as to how we can provide masks that are somewhat comfortable for runners when runners cannot socially distance. So stay tuned. Um, we will still be giving away buffs. They're still great. They're great to wear for other purposes. Um, I wear a buff when I run anyway. Um, and they're also, they make great headbands too. But we just want to throw that out there that we recognize that this is a hiccup that we did not anticipate. This literature just came, study just came out and we want to acknowledge it here and let you know that we are aware and we are working on a solution. So Lisa, I hope that you have a great week. We have a great episode coming up next week. We're really excited to bring you with a very special guest who we think will um, bring a lot of interesting conversation to the podcast. Absolutely. All right, Lisa, talk to you soon. All right, see you soon. Bye, Julie. Bye. We are really excited to announce that we have our first sponsor. R&J Sports, which is located in Maryland, is the first sponsor of the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Even though R&J Sports is a locally owned running store, they do ship nationwide and have a website from which you can order, rnjsports.com. If you go onto the website and purchase something over $100, just put in the code RFFFEATURES, F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S, and they'll throw in a free pair of feature socks with your purchase. You can also call the store at 
1-800-300-0021 and over the phone, they'll provide some terrific guidance on which shoes are right for your foot. While it's not the same as a in-person fitting, for many of us, we can't do that yet. So this is a great option. In fact, one of our runners in China recently contacted the store and they provided her with some great advice and she was able to get a replacement pair of shoes that's working for her very well. So again, call RJ Sports at 301-881-0021. Let them know that you're with the Run Farther and Faster podcast. And if you make a purchase of over $100, they'll throw in a free pair of socks or you can go on their website. Thanks so much, RJ, for sponsoring our podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.